Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you will notice this graphic. It's there so you know that we'd love to pray with you. You can give us a call or go online. Also, this is a great way to keep in touch with us. Today, we are finishing the series, Make a Difference, with Roadblocks. What is stopping us from living the life God has planned for us? Listen to what Pastor Dwayne has to say about how to stop living for ourselves and blaming God for our mistakes. They were continuing a series of messages on living to make a difference. And we're going to jump right in Ephesians chapter 3. According to the eternal purpose which he got accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now notice God has an eternal purpose. It is something bigger than you, bigger than me. In fact, so often people are trying to discover what's the purpose of life. And they begin with themselves. And when you begin with yourself, you're never going to know what the purpose of life is. Because as someone well put in the beginning of their book, Rick Warren, he said, it's not about you. It's not about you. You know, he created all things, but all things were created for him, for him, for him. And when we start with us, we're always going to end up missing the point entirely. But God has an eternal purpose. He's got a destiny. It says in Psalms 139 that before you were born, what you think about this, God had written out all of your days. Now, here's what that means, that God had a plan, a purpose, a destiny for you. Now, you can miss it. God can have written one thing down, says, here's what he should do, here's what he should do, here's what she's going to do, here's what I'm going to help him do. And you can go in a totally different direction. You can be a Jonah. God says, go to, go to Nineveh, and you take off in the opposite direction for Tarsus. Right? But you need to understand that God does have a plan and a purpose for every one of your days. Right? And again, we need it. We, the, the way that you're going to have the most fulfilled life is when you and I plug into God's plan and God's purpose for us. And, and the truth is, God doesn't want you to just live an ordinary life. He has an extraordinary life prepared for you. Now, uh, a while back, a, a movie came out. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. So I can't recommend it, but it was called The Bucket List. Right? And these two guys, they're both, both diagnosed, they have some terminal disease, and they decide they're going to take off and they're going to do a bunch of stuff that's on their bucket list, stuff that they want to do before they die. Now, I think that we should all have a bucket list. We should have bucket lists, you know, for our, for our lives. We should have bucket lists about what we want to do in the kingdom of God. How many of you at least want to win somebody to Jesus? It's on your bucket list. Right? I am encourage you, you know, get, get, go, to a, go on a mission trip. Some of you, you know, you want to start to pray for the sick or you want to support 10 orphans or you want to sow a certain amount of money in the kingdom of God. You want to help a boy that doesn't have a father find out what it means to be a man. But I want to just stop coasting, all right? Get, get some goals in God. But God does not want us to just have an ordinary life. He has things planned for you and I to do. Now, some of the things that stop us, I want to talk to you about three things that keep us from fulfilling the plan, the purpose that God has for us. And the first one is very simply, we have a poor assessment of ourselves. We see ourselves wrong. And a lot of people say, well, I'm just being humble. Listen, humility is not when you think less of yourself. It's when you think of yourself less. And too many people, you did catch that, didn't you? Right? Too many people, they think less of themselves. They look at their past, 
their failures, their, mis their mistakes, their sins, their limitations, their setbacks. And they literally think, you know, I'm no good. I am subnormal, right? And that sort of thinking will always keep you from fulfilling your purpose and your destiny in God. But God has a plan and he has a purpose for you. And we tend to look at ourselves and, and we just like, you know, God couldn't use me. But listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen those things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So that no flesh should glory in his sight or in his presence. So God chooses the foolish, the weak, the based, and the despised. Hello. How y'all doing? In other words, God didn't choose you. God didn't choose me because we were smart. Right? God chose us because he looked it up and he said, if I do something within, I get all the glory. And that's really, that's really true. Habakkuk 2.4. It says, behold the proud. It says his soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. You know, Martin Luther took the last part of that verse and literally brought a reformation to the church. But it says that the, the proud, his soul is not upright within him. God's saying every single person, you need to realize that you depend on me. I'm the one who gave you the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have. And God wants us to put our trust and our confidence in him. The Bible says it's in Christ that he has been made unto us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. As it's written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You know, who we should be talking up is not our ability, but God doing something through us. And so often what we're doing is we're comparing ourselves to other people. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. So we tend to look at other people. There's a great example of this after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's talking with the disciples and he says to Peter, he said, Peter, when you're old, he said, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. He said, look, Peter, when you're old, you're going to be crucified. That's how you're going to die. And Peter looks over at Jesus and he says, hey, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And I'm going to give you like 21st century translation. None of your business. You follow me. That's what Jesus said. You know, you don't worry about what's going on with him. But what we're doing is we're looking at other people. We're comparing ourselves. It's always a trap. Always. Because here's what we do. Everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. Every single person. Strengths and weaknesses. So what we do is we'll come along and we'll take our strength and compare it to their weakness. And we're like, you're lucky to have me, God. Hot stuff. Or we take our weakness and compare it to their strength, and then we feel like dirt. I'm worthless. I'm good for nothing. Right? But the truth is, God has uniquely put every one of us together. And the person that we're supposed to please is the Lord. And comparing ourselves among ourselves is a trap 100% of the time. It's a trap. And the Bible says, just don't do it. Right? Now, 
what we often do is we just procrastinate instead of doing what we know we should do. And I want to encourage you to just take a step today. Do something. At least you do nothing. Decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading my Bible 15 minutes a day. I'm going to pray every day. Uh, some of you, you know you want to go back to school. I want to get on that computer this afternoon, get some information. Some of you, there's things in your life you know they shouldn't be there. And you, you, repent. Repent. Now, this is a very unpopular word, by the way. And, and the devil always will tell you, you should repent. You should. Next week. Maybe tomorrow. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Live such good lives among the pagans. It says that they accuse, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Second thing, we can have a wrong view of people. Of people. See, some of us, we view people and we think, man, they are problems. They're to be avoided, right? We don't value people. Again, there's an interesting story that illustrates this. The the king of Sodom, now, you know, this this was a wicked city and a wicked king. Uh, His city is attacked and all of the people, he escapes, but all the people and all the goods are taken captive. And Abraham goes, defeats these kings, these five kings that had attacked Sodom. And he's coming back. He's got all the people and all the stuff. And the king of Sodom comes to Abraham. Remember, wicked guy. And this is what he said. He said, you can keep all the stuff, but let me have my people. He valued people more than stuff. Let me tell you what the world does. The world loves stuff and uses people. But God wants us to love people and use stuff. And think about it. A wicked king had his priorities right. He knew what was important was not stuff. It was people. He valued people. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? This is, this is what this means. It means this world that you and I know, it's going to pass away. It's going to be gone. In the book of Peter, Peter said that this world, it will explode in fervent heat and every element will melt. It's not a nuclear catastrophe. God is going to destroy this earth and he's going to make a brand new one that's not cursed. You like this one? You're going to love the new improved model. Trust me. So Jesus said it would profit you nothing if you gained the whole world with a fence around it, but you lost your soul. Because your soul is immortal. It's eternal. And it's going to live someplace forever and ever and ever. And that's why we need to value people. They're not a problem to be avoided. They're not the enemy. In fact, the Bible says we don't fight against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, the satanic beings, the great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. The Bible tells us your enemy is not your boss or your mother-in-law. The real enemy is an unseen force, a demonic force behind that. And God loves everybody. And he wants you and me to love everybody. Listen, 
Republican or Democrat, rich or poor, red, yellow, black, white, green, or polka dots, right? Man or woman, God loves every single person. And if you want to work for God, you need to love and value every single person, right? You know, when Jesus saw a crowd, the Bible said he didn't see problems. He didn't see messed up people. He had compassion on them, right? That's the attitude that you and I need to have. Now, the third area that keeps us from missing what God has for us is a wrong view of God. Somebody said this, and I know that this is true. The most important thing about you, listen, the most important thing about you is what you think of when you think of God. That is the most important thing about you. It will determine everything else about your life. Let me just tell you, he's merciful, he's present, he's loving, he's caring, and he is a miracle worker. In Jeremiah, God said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You cannot connect with God. You cannot receive from God. You cannot please God without faith. And it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. You know, so many times I talk to people and I realize they've lost hope. And without hope, faith has nothing to grab hold of because faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. See, and Jesus wants us to be doing the works that he did and even greater works. God wants to move in your life. He wants to move in your family. He wants to move in your marriage, in your work, in your spiritual life. He wants you to have impact, influence. Where you go, he wants you to make a difference in, the, in your life and in the lives of people all around about you. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a story that illustrates what, what I'm talking about here, about a wrong view about God. Right? And what happens is there's three kings. There's the king of Edom, the king of of Judah and the king of, of the, ten, the ten tribes, or what we refer to as Israel, these three kings are going together to fight against the king of Moab. And they come up with a strategy that says, well, let's do a sneak attack. They'll never expect us to come through the desert. So they're going through the desert, but after seven days, they're not through and they are totally out of water. People, animals are beginning to die, right? And so Jehoshaphat, who's a godly king, he says, isn't there a prophet here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Saphath is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, Elijah is like the number one prophet besides Moses in the entire Old Testament. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal ministry, turning people back to God. He calls down fire from heaven. All sorts of things happen. But there was a guy named Elisha. And the Bible says he poured water on Elijah's hands. Now, if you go to a third world country and you get way back where there's no water, running water, no electricity, when it comes time to eat, somebody grabs some sort of a container, a bucket or something, and gets water in it. And you go up there and they pour it kind of like running water and you wash your hands and the next person comes and they wash their hands. And it's usually someone who would be considered of low esteem. 
that's pouring the water on the hands of the person who is considered to be more important or more esteemed. Now they said, well, this guy, he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah, that great prophet. Now, Jehoshaphat knows something that a lot of people don't recognize, that the anointing of the person that you serve gets on the one who is serving. That's why Joshua had Moses' anointing. That's why Elisha ends up with Elijah's anointing. That's why Timothy ended up with Paul's anointing. That's why Jesus' disciples ended up with the anointing that was on them because they had been with Jesus. So Jehoshaphat just says, well, the word of the Lord's with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, they go down to see the prophet. And when the prophet sees him, he says, look, I wouldn't even talk to you, you wicked king of Israel. He says, if it wasn't that I regard this, this man, the good, the good king, uh, Jehoshaphat, all right? But this is what the king of Israel said. He said, no, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So the king of Israel says, look, this is God's plan. God has brought us here to kill us. God hates us. God's not for us. God's mad. God thinks he's got us right here. We're out of line. And God is going to take care of us right here. That's God's plan to destroy us. Right? A lot of people have a messed up view of God. Now, I would dare to say this. Most people have a messed up view of God. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. It says, a man's own folly ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. A man's own folly ruins his life. How many of you have ever made a really dumb decision? And then things went really bad. And you know what we tend to do? God, why did you do this? And it wasn't God that did it. It was your dumb self. You know that's true. All right. So this king, he's blaming God. Want to give you a couple of verses here to help you. Psalms 8 says, for you, God, made him man a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you put all things under his feet. How many things did God put under Adam's feet? All, all. In Genesis 1:26, when God made man and woman, he said, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. And God just goes on and lists everything. Right? He gives Adam and Eve dominion over all the works of his hand. Satan comes. Satan deceives Adam and Eve. They bow their knee to Satan. And listen, when they did, something happened in the spiritual realm. There was a transfer. The authority that Adam had over all the works of God's hands, he transferred that to Satan. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of verses. We could, we could give you a lot, but I want you to listen carefully. All right. First one is in Luke chapter 4. Satan is tempting Jesus. He takes him up onto a high place and shows him in the spiritual realm all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been given or delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. 
Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Now, Satan, if this isn't a temptation, then it's not real. Satan says, all of the dominion of the earth, it's been given to me. And I can give it to whoever I want to. Who gave it to the devil? Adam. Adam. Adam gave it to the devil. All right. That's why the Bible in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God, small g, of this world, of this world system. Because he took that authority that God had given to, to Adam and Eve, and he took it. Now, we're going to talk about one more verse first, Romans 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. One man, Adam, took an offense, did something wrong against God. We can say he sinned. That was his offense. And the result was that death reigned. Now, let me just put it to you like this. If Adam had not let the devil into this earth, there would be no hatred. There would be no death. There would be no murder, no rape, no child molesters. In fact, there wouldn't even, we wouldn't even need aspirins and ambulances. But Adam took his position and authority and gave it to the devil. You look at it like this. It's like, isn't the earth the Lord's? He owns it all. But he, like, he leased it all to Adam and Adam subleased to the devil. Now, I got good news for you. The lease is running out. The owner is coming back. He is coming back. All right. But a lot of people have the idea. Look, they are mad at God because of the things that are happening. But it's not God's fault. I'm going to help you here. John 10, 10. The thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys is not the will of God. That is not God's will. And so the, the, the prophet calls for a musician. And when he comes, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. And he says, make this valley full of ditches because thus says the Lord. You shall not see wind, nor will you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you and your camels, cattle and all your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. He says, just go out and dig some ditches. And they go out and they dig ditches. There's no rain, but by morning time, every ditch in the middle of the desert is filled with water. When the enemies see it, as the sun rises, they see it as red. And they think it's blood. They thought that the, the Israelites had killed each other. And they run down and are totally defeated. And God delivers the enemy into their hand. Now, it's really interesting that he said, dig some ditches. Dig some ditches. As you dig that ditch, he said, God is going to fill the ditch. Now, faith is not what you believe. Faith is what you do with what you believe. Listen, faith is always an act. You got that? It says, by faith, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees and went to live in tents in the place that God showed him. By faith, Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. By faith, Joshua 
walked around the walls of Jericho, shouted, and the walls fell down. By faith, Abel gave. By faith, Enoch walked. By faith, Moses extended his rod over the sea. By faith, David said to Goliath and then ran at Goliath. When Jesus was in the synagogue, there's a man with a withered hand, and Jesus said, extend that hand. He had to do something. And when he began to attempt to extend that hand, God's power hit him. It, listen, it is never all up to God. We always have a part. By faith, you leave. By faith, you build. By faith, you give. By faith, you do something that God shows you to do. And when you do what God shows you to do, God meets you. And I want to encourage you to dig some ditches. You dig them. Some of you, you need to dig a prayer ditch. Some of you need to build a repentance ditch. Some of you need to have a giving ditch. Some of you, it's a witnessing ditch. Some of you, you need to dig a laying of hands on ditch. But you, some of you, you need to start a business ditch. But some of you, you need to do something that God is calling you to do. And when you dig the ditch, you don't understand how, but God fills that ditch. God blesses you when you're obeying what the Spirit of God is calling you to do. Remember, before you were born, Every day that you and I are ever going to live, God had it written in a book, and he had a plan for your life. He had a purpose for your life. You can go God's way, or you can go your way. But I've got news for you. In God's way, there's blessing, there's fulfillment, and there is destiny for every single person here. So as you look at your heart today, if you'd say, you know, I'm not right with God. I'm not where I should be. I'm away from the Lord. And you say, I want to get right with God. Would you please pray this prayer with me right now? And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. For some of you, for the first time, you're going to receive forgiveness. For others, you're going to come back to God and begin to live for him again. Just, just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm your child today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Roadblocks, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, or you would like to make a difference in people's lives by helping spread the gospel around the world, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give and click on the giving option that is right for you. Tear down those roadblocks. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.